In the FDNY, it was a high compliment to be called salty. It was a badge of courage that, you know, or, or you know, you were a salty firefighter if you were, if you were dirty. Dirty, soot-covered, it meant you did your job and faced the smoke and flames. The FDNY is trying to change that image. The enormity of the problem in the fire service for, for occupational cancer, um, you know, I, I'm afraid we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. And um, I, I want to steer clear of that iceberg. Deputy Chief Frank Lieb is unofficially known as the cancer guy. I've known so many people that have, have died of cancer. I mean, one of my, one of my good friends, uh, Ed McDonough, he, he died six weeks after his 49th birthday um, from colorectal cancer. And, you know, it's not even, we don't even get screened for that until we're 50. Lieb has noticed a change in recent years. I've always known that cancer is a problem in the fire service, right? There's, there's studies that go back decades that talk about cancer in the fire service. But there's a big change, right, in, in, in the building materials and what's burning. Um, with the modern, modern content, uh, a lot has changed. And with that change has been the types of cancers that firefighters get, and more importantly, the age at which they get them. So firefighters today get cancers at a much younger age than they did um, in years past. In years past, you'd hear about firefighters getting cancer in, when they're in their 70s, 80s, and 90s. Today, you hear about firefighters getting cancers in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. We know that 9-11 um, is obviously, we, we have a severe cancer problem. Um, and problem in general with 9-11. We've lost over 200 members of the FDNY um, to, to cancer and other occupational illnesses directly related to 9-11. However, we also know that our non-9-11 firefighters, so these are our firefighters that were hired after September 11, 2001, and have never had an exposure down there. We know that we have somewhere in the, um, in the, somewhere in the high 90s, 96 and 97 members that, have, that now have cancer. So that number statistically is low. It's less than half of 1% for the number of firefighters that we hire. But these, these firefighters are typically under 50 years old. So, and to me, any member with, with occupational cancer is one member too many. Deputy Chief Lieb specializes in tactics and strategies. In his research, he came across a book. In the Mouth of the Dragon, Toxicity in the, in the Age of Plastics. And it was written in 1990, two years before I came on the fire department. And I read this book, and it talked about all these different um, incidents, uh, fires and, and, uh, and such. But it talked about them from a health standpoint for, for cancer. And, uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't believe it. Um, I read the whole book uh, within two days. Uh, I now purchase additional copies of that book whenever it's cheap enough on Amazon and hand them out to other firefighters. Plastics are ubiquitous, and they've changed the dynamic of firefighting. What's burning in the house is different today than it was in the 1950s when it was all natural-based fibers. Now a lot of stuff is petroleum-based products, a lot of plastics that are burning, so it's very different. There's not a lot of wood furnishings in, in people's houses anymore. Fast forward to now, what we have is, is all these plastics burning hotter. Uh, you know, they go, they go to flash over faster. I mean, in the, you know, a, a, a kitchen or a bedroom fire in the past would take close to 17 minutes to reach flashover, where now when it has enough oxygen, it's, it reaches flashover in, in three minutes or so. So it's a huge difference. So it's changed our tactics. It also needs to change our tactics when we talk about cancer and minimizing our, um, our exposure. Synthetic materials, when they burn, release toxins, carcinogens. There's thousands of different chemicals that make up uh, that, uh, that make up smoke particles. So the particles are a big part of the problem. 
so we could minimize a lot of that by wearing our mask and, and good hygiene, washing your hands and stuff like that. However, um, it's it's the gases that are that are burning as well, and they continue to off gas even after even after they're extinguished. In the quest for answers, Lieb sought out scientific research. We now have data that backs up that links these studies link firefighting and the contaminants that we're exposed to to occupational cancer. That's something that was um, not readily available not that long ago. So that's that's really a big change. Today, routine calls expose firefighters to a witch's brew. We respond multiple times a day to other instances. Somebody burns their food and it's a nonstick pan and and the the chemicals that are on there are in the smoke or a rubbish fire or a compactor fire in in a in a building so we're or an electrical emergency and and the the wires are burning so we're exposed and our gear is is absorbing these toxins all the time so even educating members of you know even those smaller um, instances they're still exposures and we need to be taken into account to that so we don't cross-contaminate and bring and bring the contaminants back to the firehouse and back and into your car and then at home. They've found contaminated firefighting equipment poses a threat at home too. There's a study out there for, out of uh, Washington State. A gentleman there did it as part of his executive fire officer program that shows an increased rate of cancer in children of firefighters. So in that study, um, one in 204 children uh, had cancer and you know, so that's a 27.4 times increase over no, over the normal. Normally, 1.7 out of 10,000 would get uh, children get cancer. So, um, you know, making sure firefighters understand the danger of bringing their dirty gear home. Deputy Chief Lieb's job now is to find ways to minimize toxic exposure. We've evolved. We have bunker gear now. We have we have hoods. We have lots of different things that technology has provided us. We wear SCBA masks, something that decades ago they didn't they didn't have. So we evolve and we change um, consistently. We have to to stay to stay up up on top of of what's the you know the latest research and data and, and equipment that's out there. They're putting more emphasis on decontamination and routine cleaning of that protective gear. In the future, we hope to get washers and dryers in each station. Um, or as close as possible to doing that. I mean, obviously that costs a lot of money to do to do something like that, but that's certainly a hope because there are studies out there that show that if there's a washer and dryer in the firehouse, members are more likely to wash them. And we're looking for different ways that we can better protect our members on scene to prevent the, uh, you know, leave some more of the contaminants on the contaminated fire ground rather than bringing it back onto the fire truck or a fire engine and bring it and bringing it back to the station. So on scene decon stuff like that type of stuff. The FDNY is not alone. This threat is universal. The department is sharing information. A regional cancer seminar that we had, where we had um, approximately uh, 80 people in attendance, uh, and we had instructors from all over the country. Some of the top researchers were here, um, and you know, so we had some of the top New York State. Um, people from the state office of fire prevention and control was here and we had approximately 12 different um, departments from around the region were uh, were represented here as well so we're certainly um, collaborating with with those folks as as often as we can um, because there's no sense reinventing the wheel if if somebody wrote a policy or procedure or or they found a better way to implement something we certainly like to uh, capitalize on that a major component of Lieb's work is changing perceptions and long-standing traditions. 
salty firefighter. I mean, you look at old photos, and it's the uh, it's the grizzly old firefighter. He's uh, he's dirty. He just came out of battle from a, from a big fire, and um, you know, so a younger firefighter that doesn't know any better looks up to that firefighter. You know, they see that's that badge of honor. He's he's salty. He's in a good company, or means you, you for some reason they, they quantify it as you 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 did a good job at the fire. I mean, it, you know. Um, but we're trying to change that and even just making sure that the, the people who are doing your training for your newest firefighters, that they're in gear that's relatively clean. So we're sending the right message at, at every step of the way. The educational component begins on day one when a member enters the fire academy and needs to continue their entire career. When you see your friend, you know, when you see a 49-year-old man who was healthy several years earlier, when you see him die, it changes your passion for it. And... I love being a New York City firefighter, and I love the people I work with. We can do more to better protect them. At the Fire Training Academy, Sean Adams, WCBS News Radio 880.